Welcome to the show, Brain Health Unchaining Your Pain. I am really, really looking forward to this conversation with the wonderful Mike C. Rock Sirocco. Welcome to the show, Mike. Hello, Dr. Ruth. Thank you for having me. <laughs> You're most welcome. So for those that don't know Mike, he's the co-founder of the innovative tech platform Blueprinted, the powerhouse behind the What Are You Made Of podcast and the best-selling author of Rocket Fuel, which I've read, which is amazing, which is all about converting setbacks and becoming unstoppable. He's a performance coach, author, dynamic public speaker, tech visionary, and thought re leader. And I know we got connected through Chris Ross, and you've been on his show too, The Win-Win Effect, on episode 142 um, just recently. So I'm super excited to talk about your story um, and what unstoppable is for you and also for your clients too. Um, so before we dive into that, I would love to know what are you passionate about in life right now? Well, I'm living through a mission that all people are unstoppable to live in the life of their dreams. And so that's what I'm passionate about. Every morning I wake up, I just want to put myself in a position to continue to elevate myself and others. And so that to answer your question, that's it. Yeah. I, I do know I love that because I think the fact that you're massively aligned to your passion and your mission, and that's what fires you to get out, bounce out of bed in the morning, which I presume is what, probably what you do, is so important. And so so many people don't believe that they don't they don't have that impetus or they don't have that drive to get up and go. And it's quite easy to lose it, isn't it? Um, yeah, well, I guess it's easy. Well, it's not to me. To me, it's um, if you if you have your mission and you're clear on your mission, there, there, there's no easy or hard. It's just is what it is. You're you're going yeah. through that. That's your intention. But the problem, Doctor Ruth, I see a lot of people are drifting. A lot of people are sheep. Like recently, there's been a, a viral video of sheep walking in circles for twelve <laughs> or thirteen days straight, and that's what reminded me of people. And what they're doing is they follow and conform, and that's what's keeping people from success. It's not directly fear it's not directly uh uncertainty it is conformity and then when you conform that's because you're, you're conforming because of fear you're conforming because you don't know um you don't have certainty so you just follow and that's the people that step out of line the people that don't conform are the ones usually that you see with the massive success and impact and influence on people or or if if they if they can't continue with their direction of travel, they may get cut down depending on where they step out of line. Have you ever noticed that with anybody? Uh, yeah, I guess. So I guess rephrase that because I didn't really catch it. Like, when, oh, so, when you... so people that step out of line and don't want to conform and don't want to be the sheep going there <laughs> around in circles um, may be perceived as the wolf. Oh yeah, hundred percent. So a lot of times, yeah. That's so they, how that, that, you know Elon Musk. He's super successful. Um, you know, billionaire. But at the same time, um, people seek to cut him down at any opportunity, um, and put blockers up in his path. Say things aren't possible. Um, and it's easy if you don't have that drive to be unstoppable, to to just go. Do you know what? I'm just going to get back in my lane. Yeah, listen, here's the thing. There's there there is a a force that is trying to keep people under control so that they can this force can do what they want to do. The army of this force or power are the people that vilify those that step out of line. 
So a lot of times, now I'm not saying there isn't conspiracy theories. There are conspiracy theories, but there are things that, that, that you just know, you can see, like, I can see some things happening that are clear as day to me. When I bring it up to people, they're like, there's no way, there's no way. But I know that. And just because they say there's no way doesn't mean that I don't know what I know. When you know something, if you guys are taking notes, you're listening to this, the replay or whatever, if you're taking notes, when you know, you know, okay? And it's important to understand that you shouldn't be talked out of when you know something. And most people are, and that's the conformity. And what happens is the army of those in power that are trying to keep people mediocre and, and keeping people in control, the army of them is the people that would call something a conspiracy theory. Those people become the workers for the people that they really don't even trust or like or know about. And they don't even know it. And that's, that's why they're called sheep. So it's very important to understand this. And, and if you're tired of the, the drifting, if you're tired of just conforming and you're tired of, you know, sick and tired of being just mediocre and average, it's time to step out. And despite what people say, despite people trying to say, you don't know what you're talking about, you don't know when you know, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to um, dive into your story because it's super fascinating is, uh, uh, in the book Rocket Fuel. But before we do, I'd, could you just um, tell me what, what for you is optimal brain health in the context of your life's journey? Well, I think keeping your brain protected would be important, right? Uh -huh. Which I played football, American football when I was younger and I had a concussion or two. And that's not keeping your brain healthy. Anytime you bang your head your brain against uh, rattles inside of your brain, inside of your, your skull. That's not a good thing. So first of all, that's more, probably the most important thing. Second of all, secondly, I, I really think that, you know, the brain is used by the mind to transfer information to the body. That's mm -hmm. the way I look at it. Um, I've done some research and study on it. I'm not a doctor. So let me, let me say, I'm not a doctor. I've probably done as much reading as doctors do, but, probably but possibly really more, than, more for me. Yeah, maybe, maybe. But, but I look at that as, you know, it, it, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a tool. So you, you know, any, any person that uses tools wants to keep their tools clean. They want to keep them, uh, in, in, in great shape, you know, and same thing with your brain. You just want to make sure it's just like anything though, that you use, you should keep yeah. it in great shape and, and, um, care for it. So, you know, whether it's, you know, looking at different, um, supplements or foods that you should be eating to protect your brain and, and, and add health to your brain or uh, wearing a helmet when you have a chance of banging your head. I think it's important, obviously. So, yeah. Do you know, know I love that you said there, that, but... you know, to keep your brain protected, because I don't think anyone else on the show so far has mentioned the word protected. They've, they've talked about a lot of other different things, but obviously there's different types of protection. There's a, like emotional protection, there's physical protection, like you mentioned, is protected from um, being damaged. And then there's, there's the protection of your passion and your mission, which is the spiritual one. Um, and there's protection mentally of your ability to think clearly. So I'd love to know uh, for, for your story, was there, could you take us back to the time when you felt that your brain really wasn't protected in the context of any of those areas yeah, like sure. mentioned, emotional physical mental or spiritual sure sure so as a young youngster you know i grew up in a broken home and broken environment a lot of drug addicts uh, alcohol uh, anxiety depression medication overdosing on medication suicide abuse uh, broken families broken households all that kind of stuff conflict with child support battles custody battles then you add step parents into the mix and then their agendas get involved and it's this whole convoluted mess. 
doesn't have to be that way, but that's the way it you know was because when people make decisions, they have decisions that they can lead towards thriving and winning and great, happy lives, or they can make decisions that are destructive. Mm -hmm. And also there's another option where you stay right in the middle, indecisive or stuck in a maybe, which is very bad as well. You might as well go one, you know, to the, to the bad side with that. So I noticed around me as a young child that people were making decisions that were destructive decisions. I don't know why I was able to notice that. I paid attention to that. I guess my mom kind of prepped me for this. Um, growing how, up how, how young were you at the time? Just to, to, to give people some context. I just, I remember when I was about four that my mom would tell me, you're, you're, you inspire me. You're going to be a leader, you know? And she, and she was saying these things and I, I don't know if she was programming me because she knew it was coming she knew the family that we had or what the deal was, but she just always told me that. So I always remembered that I, I'm an, I'm a leader I'm an inspire and people are watching me. And I got that at an early age. Now, uh, when I realized my brain wasn't protected was, I would say that I went through all this stuff as a young kid. Uh -huh. uh, I, I don't want you know, I can get into details later, but just for the essence of time right now, as I got older as a teenager, I didn't drink until I went to college. I was uh -huh. so focused on playing football, American football in college getting good grades, staying out of trouble. And then what I did when I got to college, this is where I would say when my brain wasn't protected. Um, after seeing some of the things I've been through and then hanging out with other kids and realizing and the ones that were drinking and this and that, they all had a reason and an excuse why they were drinking. And they would say, you know, oh, I had a messed up family or this and that. And I would hear all these things and I'm like, well, I have a messed up family too. Let me get some drinking going on too. So I would start drinking and when I got to college, I came from a small town. I didn't really see a lot of a, a lot of girls my age. And so now I saw girls, pretty girls, parties, and I that became my focus. Yeah. And I would say that when you do that, and then one thing leads to another, then you're smoking uh, marijuana and doing other drugs. It leads to other things. That's when I would say I left my my brain and mind unprotected. Um, yeah. in, in I can really moment. relate to that. Not Not so much the marijuana piece, but... You know, it is that going to college, and I certainly, I would say for me, that was the biggest time in my life where I, my brain was unprotected. And I had no clue what it meant to protect my brain either. Um, and I was, you know, I nearly killed myself, actually, with drinking too much um, alcohol when I was in, living in Germany for a period of time. Um, and I was just so stupid. Like I, I basically became super dehydrated from uh, alcohol mm -hmm. and, and gave myself alcohol poisoning. And, we don't tend to appreciate what we've got until we start to lose it. And we feel invincible. Was that your experience? Yeah, we feel invincible, you know. <laughs> and, then, and then I started getting this thing where, like, I went through all this stuff as a kid. And my grandmother, by the way, she ended up committing suicide when I went off to college from oh. um, overdosing on medication, uh, overprescribed anti-anxiety, antidepressant medicine, which I'm like, firmly against any of that. Um. And once that happened, I'm like, well, if this is what life's all about, I just don't give a crap, mm -hmm. you know, or I didn't, I don't give a whatever you want to say. And so I would just go off and life was all about like, just have fun, live, live it out right now. And if somebody got in my face or said something or, uh, I wouldn't take crap from anybody. I would fight a lot, mm -hmm. just stuff, just, just stuff like, you, you know, and I don't know, I, I just look back on it and I kind of grimace thinking about that. That was me at that time. Um, you know, um, so what, you know, what was your learning from that though? Cause you know, we, I kind of think everything happens for a reason. 
but as long as long as we learn from the experience like for me I don't drink hardly anything anymore um and I've had to take the time to repair my brain <laughs> well what was the big sort of aha moment for you when did that aha moment really happen like you, you had that opportunity to pause reflect and redirect well I'll tell you it was a gradual effect I mean I went to dark places for a while and I ended uh -huh. up meeting my wife uh towards the latter part of you know college and then I started working and my friends were all starting to leave and leave college and go home and I was in a dark space and I started realizing that, man, it's like, this is, this is what life's all about. And what I was doing was I was ab absolutely replicating what I witnessed as a kid from other parts of my family, my uncles and, and other people I saw doing these things. And I was going into the dark space where they were and realizing like, wow. And I didn't really understand at that time. I knew that decisions lead to consequences, but I didn't really understand the power of your choice and, and, the the very clear binary decision that you have to either build or destroy do good do bad it wasn't very clear to me that there was just two options really mm -hmm. and then when you don't have clarity on that chaos and confusion is the result of that and when you have chaos and confusion it's very hard to make the right decisions and so i think what i learned most from this is that you have uh you know an either or decision and decisions are where your life is shaped and also the the content that goes into your brain you know we're all we're all excited sometimes to see an accident for some reason when there's an accident on the highway we stop and we want to look at it you know if something bad happens on television on the news we want to stop and look at it you know uh i, I was going to say fellas but basically men and women looking yeah, at yeah. porn looking mm -hmm. at porn i mean you 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 get desensitized towards things uh looking at uh you know, some people like to look, this is gross, but some people like to look at like these graphic videos of pimple popping or different things like that. And you're, you're like putting this stuff in your head and you're desensitizing yourself. And that has an effect on you, believe it or not. Yeah. And I believe all the social media with TikTok nowadays where you get this instant scroll of like feature of quick videos, quick dopamine hits is a problem. It's, it's, it's causing yeah. problems and people don't realize it. And, you know, a lot of parents need to wake it up because their kids are you know, I, I believe it's just as, like, it's similar to a drug. Yeah. You know, so these are all kinds of things that I've been thinking about even recently, mm -hmm. um, basically reflecting upon growing up. Mm -hmm. And what was your dopamine hit at that time? Because I, I, I can tell there was some, you know, you felt like you were doing stuff that wasn't congruent with who you wanted to be. What what was it that well, was really, um, you know, your drive, what, what was the drive um, that was making you want to keep doing what you were doing or? What what was what, what think, lay behind that? If you don't mind me asking. No, 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 I don't mind you asking. I think th like thinking back, growing up in an environment that I grew up in, I never felt like I was good enough. Uh -huh. <clears throat> and in a small town too, and seeing friends date girls, but then I would date some girls, but it wasn't like I thought it should be. And and I didn't have like girls chasing me in high school, but then college had changed, and then it was different. Where like I would get attention, and then that attention was like wow. And then what I would see is, is that you would get more attention if you were cool and partying and doing, just doing, you know, letting your hair down, so to speak. And so that attention probably got to me. Um, and Did then, of it course, become like a drug for you that you needed the attention because maybe you didn't feel like you got it historically? Yeah, feeling, feeling like the man, like, oh, the yeah. man, like that, that feeling is like a, is a powerful drug. Like, mm -hmm. and, and also uh, the drugs themselves and the action. Like, like I started becoming feel like an action junkie. I, I couldn't just sit inside. 
sitting in the in the in the dormitory or what have you or my house just to sit there and read a book or just stay home one night wasn't in my vocabulary. I needed to go out. I needed to be around people. I needed to I needed to be around the action. Uh-huh. And then um then when I didn't want the night to end, you know, that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Yeah, so you stay up all night, burn the candle at both ends, feel like rubbish the next day. Oh yeah, oh and- man, I was <laughs> swearing it off every time. Yeah, and then the next day, that very next day, end up coming to like my my consciousness and being in a in a bathroom, standing in front of a urinal, drunk again, like those kind of things is just, it's just like, ugh, it, it makes me sick to think about. Um, and now, like you said, like drinking, drinking, like I, I'll have one or two drinks a week. Just because I like the taste of a margarita or a glass of wine, but I don't do it for the feeling anymore. Uh-huh. I used to do it for the feeling, you know. And then I remember a guy named Jesse Itzler. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Jesse Itzler. No, I, I heard him speak on stage one time, mm-hmm. and he said, "What about tomorrow?" And that's what he does at nighttime when he goes out or he goes to goes to a party or something. He says, "What about tomorrow?" And he asks himself that question, and that helps him stop doing what he you know what he would do that would ruin tomorrow. Mm. That's a great one. I think for me, you know, when I became a parent, that really woke me up because you you can't, you have to be on your A game with your kids. Well, you don't have to be. You don't have to be. No, a lot of people don't. They're not on their A game with their kids. Most people, but, and your, but your kids don't care if you're hungover. Your kids don't care if you were out late. Your kids are up. They're come, they're going to come for you. And so, yeah, I 100% agree. But I just like to feel good in the morning. I love to feel good in the morning. I love to feel like I got a good seven, eight hours of sleep. And, um, you know, even not just like alcohol, but even eating the wrong foods, eating the wrong right. foods, it, it causes you not to feel good, you know? Yeah, so, right. I, you know what it comes down to, Dr. Ruth? It comes down to discipline. 100%. Right? Doing the things that you know you need to do, eating the foods you know you need to eat, staying away from the things that you know you're not supposed to. So discipline comes down to knowing what to do and doing it, knowing yeah. what not to do and not doing it. And then I'll take it a step further. Once you do figure out what to do, doing it like a person that would be successful would do it. Not halfway, half ass, so to speak. Don't do it, you know, like why even do it? Yeah. You know, so I think that has a lot to do with brain health too. I think they're also like with discipline for me, um, you have to have an emotional connection to it. So a lot, a lot of people, and it has to be a positive one. So a lot of people see discipline as, as something that's hard and um, negative in the context of who they are, but actually it is a super positive attribute. And when you are disciplined in whatever aspect of your life it may happen to be, whether it's eating, whether it's planning, whatever, you win back time, or you win more time. So and you there, create space in your life that you wouldn't have had previously. You create time in your life that you wouldn't have previously. And, yeah. and the only way that you can get through the pain to see the gain is to have an emotional connection to the future state that is more interesting and more exciting than the current state that you're in. Yeah, I, I, I've been practicing a lot, um, feeling the way I would feel after I hit my target. So, you know, I have certain money targets. I have certain business targets. I have certain things I want to do. And I, I pretend and, and certain levels I want to get in, in celebrity, like, yeah. like being a celebrity in my space is important to me because I can help and reach more people. 
and it makes my job easier. It creates an attraction model where people come to me and want to do business rather than me having to chase them like I did most of my career at sales. So I have these things, but I, so I start to think already and then I start to feel the way it would feel. So for example, I'm a celebrity before I actually would be looked at as a celebrity by other people. I've, I've established that for myself. Like I'm, I'm a celebrity speaker. Yeah. Right. I, I thought of this for years and then it starts to just formulate. It happens. Yeah. It just starts to take shape. Yeah. Um, you know, I have income goals and I'm already, I don't spend like that, but I feel like I am that. Uh -huh. I think yeah. a certain way and, and experience the feelings that it would be to be financially free and be able to help anybody that I wanted to. Like if somebody came up and, and I was in a in a space and somebody just came up and started talking about this charity that they're starting to raise money for right now and this and that, I wouldn't have to think, well, did I already give to the, the charity the other day? Is that enough for this week? Or how much should I really be giving? No, 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 I just, no, here, here's here's $10,000. Um, I, I, I wanna feel that way. And yeah. I do feel that way now. And then I'm gonna, it, it just takes shape. So 100% what you're saying, I believe in. You've yeah. probably done more studies on it than I have, but yeah. I experience it. Yeah. I think it's so important, isn't it? And we we, we don't take that time to internalise what it would feel like to be in that, at that next level. And and only when you do the work, and, and you know athletes do it, they, they, they imagine what it would feel like winning, but they also imagine the, the journey as well to get there. So that they've already run the race before they start the race. And so they know they're going to win it because they've already run it. And it and it's the same principle, isn't it? We all, you already imagine what the outcome you be. You already imagine all the steps that are necessary to get there and how you're going to feel on each of those steps. So you set yourself up for success in the process of, of using your mind because your mind can't actually differentiate between um, reality and imagination in the context of you live you, you imagining an experience it's, you, you can experience the same thing you can imagine yourself doing something and have the same sensation as you would do if you were physically doing it yeah um, i mean at the end of the day really like if you can think about feeling a certain way that's all that really matters because like when you have something that you want and you get it and if you don't have the feeling that comes along with it what's the sense of having it what's the sense of achieving it what what matters is the feeling that you get. So why why not just have the feeling now? <laughs> and then what you find out a lot of times is the things that you desire aren't as important. It's really that feeling that you were searching for. And once you can figure this out, you have less desires. Ah, yeah. I, I'd love to know. You know, we were talking about your um, dark period in in your college days. When when did you have that pivot moment, and what 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 was it for you? You know, I think really uh, the pivot moment that's, I guess, started the chain, I'll say a chain reaction was when I met my wife. Um, I came home from work one day. There was a the guy that was living with me at the time. He's, you know, one of my best friends and he was, he had this girlfriend and she would come over to the house and I'm, I told him, I said, cause he was renting a room off of me. Mm -hmm. And I said, she cannot come over here anymore unless she brings some friends. <laughs> <laughs> and so she brought some friends over and I would, you know, I didn't click with a lot of them. And then when my wife came over, I came home from work and she was sitting on my couch and I saw her and I was like, Oh, please, please don't be here to sell me something. Please don't be here to sell me something. And I, and I wanted her to be, you know, one of Kim's friends and she was, and I just, we just hit it off. I just knew right away that, that she was the one I could just tell 
was a, wow. there was an energy there. And, and so, uh, when I realized that that's what I wanted, then I started to, to focus on that. And so when I was focusing yeah. on that, everything around that relationship grew rather than the things that I was focused on before. And then what happens is the things you thought you wanted before and you wanted to do and all that, they just start to disappear. This is what happens to folks when you really get focused on something and you put your energy and attention on something, a lot of other things fall off that you always thought you would always want and always want to do. Yeah. And so that started a reaction chain reaction. Now I didn't stop drinking as heavy as I, as I uh, have now uh -huh. until I started hanging out with people that were super successful and doing the things that I wanted to do. And I observed them and watched them do things. And I started to realize that they cared about their ethics and keeping their ethics in line. Yeah. And that there's certain conditions that you can assess yourself in. And depending on the condition that you assess yourself in, whether it's your finances, your spirituality, your emotions, anything you can actually graph, when you start knowing those conditions and then knowing the formulas to elevate to the next condition up, you start to realize it's kind of important not to overdrink. It's kind of important the decisions and the actions that you take to, in order to elevate yourself. Because I kept finding myself in this, you know, I would always elevate, but it wouldn't be as fast. And I always have setbacks. So it'd be kind of a roller coaster and some ups and downs. Mm -hmm. And so I guess, Dr. Ruth, I just got tired of ups and downs and I wanted to go on an upward trajectory all the mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. And in order to do that, you need to remove some things from your life. Anything that doesn't serve your mission, you, you, you eliminate. Mm -hmm. I think that's so important. And I, I just want to reflect back to, you know, you mentioned earlier on is worth and that self-worth piece is that in order to get to your future self you have to value your future self and and often people don't value their current self which is why we have these destructive behaviors for ourselves which will never transition them to the future self that they want because they don't they don't associate any value with either their current or their future state well, I actually think that, that there is no real future self. Um, I, our self is our self and time is a made up thing. Uh -huh. And so really what you're doing is you're, you, it's yourself all the time. Yeah. So your future self is same as now. But what happens is there's layers on top of it. And then there's things that you experience and the perceptions and the consciousness that you have at the current moment. That's the difference. Mm -hmm. you know, what are you aware of at that moment? What are you paying attention to at that moment? What are you focused on in that moment? That's that's the difference. Yeah. But at, at the end of the day, whether it's my five-year-old self or my 55-year-old self, it's the same self. Yeah. You know? It's the same self. So I'd, I'd love to dive back to your five-year-old self, if you, if you wouldn't mind, because I know we're going to go back to your past, because that's really what shaped your vision to become unstoppable. So would you, would you mind sharing, if you're willing to, um, the journey that you went on as a child that kind of shaped your perception of being being that leader that your mum wanted you to be and and how that created this this vision to become sure. unstoppable yeah so my mom was moving on. i was about eight years old i think and my mom was moving on to her third marriage and i didn't really want to move into another man's house and learn another man's rules and and george was his name he he lived in the sticks in maryland i say the sticks like the country there wasn't a whole lot around and i'm you know as a kid i always wanted to be around the town and the city i wanted to be around action as a kid even and so i decided to move to my dad's house and, and my mom let me go and my dad was moving on to his second marriage and i thought that would be great and my dad had it better than my mom financially and he promised me all kinds of things if i would have moved in with him and so i ended up doing it 
and it started off great. But after the time started to pass, I noticed a lot of conflict with my stepmother, my mom, my stepmother, and my dad's side of the family. And it, all that stuff started to pour down on us kids. And the issues, the personal issues people have tend to get reflected upon the people in their environment. And that's what happened with us kids. So I, uh, I eventually would go through some abuse. I would sleep with my baseball bat at night for some of the stuff that I was hearing. There was a lot oh. of fighting and conflict. And, and I realized at some point that I didn't need to live like that. At first, I thought it was ordinary. This is the way it is. This is all I've ever known. But I started to realize that, that you know, I am self-determined. I can do what I want to do, even though I'm a kid. And then you see I have a shirt on. I don't know if you guys see it says stubborn, perversely unyielding. <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm a stubborn individual and in a good way, because when I want something, I go get it. And I understand that I have the ability to do that. And the reason that I do is because I know that all it takes is persistence. You see, Dr. Ruth, and I'll, I'll continue with the story, but I just thought about, about something here. The people that win in life are the most persistent ones, the most certain ones. They're the ones that win in life. Because what happens is if you and I are sitting here having a conversation and I really want something and I don't give up on it. And I, I persist and persist and persist in your brain or mind, you start to believe that my wants and needs are superior to yours. Mm -hmm. And then you give in. So that's why people give in to the most persistent people. I started to realize, to realize this at a young age. If you want to get what you want, there's nothing wrong with it. Anybody that spoke against you getting what you want is somebody that was just get, you were just getting on their nerves so bad. And you were just driving them crazy. And they wanted and they were, you to be the sheep. Well, not only that, they were, you were in a com competition to see who could be more persistent mm -hmm. subconsciously. And so then we hear that stuff as youngsters, you're stubborn, you're hard-headed. Oh my goodness. Like you got to have your way. Bossy and what, for women and what happens women. is that it becomes a negative thing to be stubborn. It becomes yeah. a negative thing to be hard-headed. And let me tell you something. Self-determinism is the way to happiness. Self-determinism is the way to freedom. And so I realized at a young age that I could do what I want and have my way. And, and, and so I realized that, you know, I don't need to live in this situation. So I shared with my mom what was going on. She filed court papers and eventually my dad got served one day. And how and old were you at this time? Tenish. Mm -hmm. That's really bold for a 10 year old. Yeah, I guess. I, I don't know. I mean, I think I was mature that age because of the things I was going through maybe, mm -hmm. but, um, you know, a lot so of times, you know, having the courage to 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 put down your baseball bat and speak, speak your truth and speak what you wanted without without the violence. Well, yeah, I think there's I think there's really courageous. I think there's scenarios where the kids are more mature than the parents at times. Uh -huh. And I think that was the case here. Mm -hmm. um, I also believe. See, I have, I have some different beliefs in some people. I believe I'm a spiritual being and this is my body that I'm here. And I, I believe it's possible that we've lived before. Mm -hmm. And we've gone through situations in the past and we don't remember them all. But we do have some memory of it. Maybe not consciously. And I just believe that, I, I don't know, I always had this, this knowledge that I knew what was going on. I knew, I knew what, how to handle things and I knew how to maneuver things to do what I needed to do. So anyway, my dad got these papers. He sent me to my room, sat on my bed, waiting for him to come back. My dad was my hero, Dr. Ruth. He was a mason. He built uh, like bricks and blocks and poured concrete and all this. He had big forearms and rough hands. Like you could tell he was a hard worker. And I just looked up to him. He was my hero, man. And, and he used to carry this wad of $100 bills in his pocket. 
with a rubber band around it. He used to show us money all the time and show us hundred dollar bills and how he worked hard for this. And this, if you work hard, you get this. And I always thought that was cool, but you know, when he got disappointed by these court papers, he came in and confronted me about it. And I said, you know what? I don't want to get in discussion with this. You know, I'm going to stick to my guns here. Uh, I've already made my mind up. And he said, okay. So he takes the wad of $100 bills out that he used to carry around all the time. And he peeled one off and crumpled it up. And he threw it at me. And he said, here, you're going to need this then when you're living on the streets with your mother one day. Because my mother was, you know, he didn't think was well off as he and, and thought that she was poor and probably you know, stems from a lot of the the uh, child support battles that they had and all this. So I had a, a situation where this money was thrown at me and I thought to myself at first, like, oh no, what did I do? Did I really yeah. want this to happen? Did I really want to do this, go this route? But the other thing that really quickly came in was like, I'm not going to need that money. I'll show you, you know, and I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to ever have a problem with money or be poor. Yeah. So I use that toxicity. I call it toxicity because it, it it's a fuel, but it's a toxic fuel. And I used that for years, 30 some years to keep better myself, keep elevating myself. And when I had bad times, I would keep going, keep pushing. But I also came to realize though, in most recent years that when you def really start to refine your mind and refine your, your vehicle, you refine your engine that you can't use that toxic fuel anymore. That toxic fuel hurts other people when you use it, yeah. you know, to the point where I would just go to get something and I would run over people, not physically, but like figuratively run over people to get to what I wanted people in the environment that you uh that you're in when you're using the toxic fuel let down discouragement hurt converting all that into into motivation so to speak has a has a toxic of polluting effect and so when you do self-development you better yourself your engine's more refined you need to use a higher octane fuel you need to figure out what that is so that you don't hurt people and what it is, is the new fuel is more focused. It's a focus on, on a target and goals and dreams and putting them out into the future out in front of you and really getting a feeling of those things. And that is the most powerful rocket fuel that you can have. And I just encourage everybody, when you hear this story, everything that happens in your life, you have two choices. You can use the bad things as weights and you put them in your trunk and it holds you down. Mm. Most people do that. They, they store everything in their trunk. And if you've seen a car with a loaded down trunk, doesn't go very far. And you also can't see where you're going. Well, you can't see where you're going. Point to the sky. <laughs> right. And and so you have that choice, or you can put it in your fuel tank and convert it into rocket fuel and become unstoppable. And that's what I chose to do in my life. Yeah. I, I love that. And I can really relate to your story, but from a completely different um, perspective is I was told when I was in my second year at university by my tutor that I wasn't intelligent enough to go on and um into further education and do a phd or anything um that i should just go and join the military um and i i was like well i'm gonna show you because <laughs> i am enough i'm good enough and i can achieve it and that really fueled me personally to to not just prove him wrong but also prove myself that i was better than i was showing up as and that I needed to pull, you know, because it comes back to their perception of you, doesn't it? Uh, and I, uh, well, for my for my circumstance, but I knew that I was better than than that perception, and I needed to create my own perception of myself that was that was uh, was unstoppable, and I, you know, and I could go to whatever level that I chose to go to. <laughs> well, it, it's a reflection of themselves. They they what people do is we look at someone. 
and we look at all this, the variables and all the data that we gather, and then we make a we make a, a, a cognition. I guess the words a cognition based on that, off of our own experiences. So when what I really know is when people have something to say, whether it's good or bad, they're really talking about themselves. And so here's another thing that'll blow your mind a little bit. And you may know this, but, but, but if you're listening, you may know this. When you're looking at social media and you're scrolling and you see these influencers talking, I'm included, by the way, and you're looking at these influencers talking and you assume that they're talking to you or someone that, that, that's an audience or what have you, flip your perspective to the point where you're looking at these folks and pretend that they're in their bathroom looking at their mirror and you're just on the other side of the mirror and they're talking to themselves. Because when most people are doing, when they're coaching, consulting, influencing, is they're dealing with something. And when they're dealing with something, they either learn something, they experience something, and they want to go tell somebody about it for some reason. Mm -hmm. There's different reasons why people do that. But what they're really doing is they're talking to themselves. And so when I'm speaking, majority of the time, it's me talking to myself and the people that are in my environment get the, the benefit of hearing it. And if you switch this perspective on social media, when you're scrolling and realizing man, Dr. Ruth is talking to herself. She's going through something and she's talking right now about discipline or brain health and she's concerned about her brain. You stop comparing yourself to those folks that they may be doing better, they may know more than you, they may be smarter, they may be richer than you. And what you do is you switch that perspective to thinking this, that this person may need some encouragement today. And you might want to send them a message and say, hey, listen, I was watching your Instagram. I love your Instagram. It's great. I just wanted to offer you some encouragement today. Yeah. I, do you know, I think that's a really profound, I'm I'm really quite kind of like stuck for, for words there because I've never taken that perspective, although I know I do it um, myself personally, particularly on some of the Instagram posts that I put out there is a reflection of my day or is a reflection of something that's happened in my life. And I just want to communicate it out in a way that hopefully people can go, do you know what, that's me too. Mm -hmm. um and i can take something away from that or yeah that's happened to me and this uh, and now i can see how i can work work through and come out of the other side but it's a great way isn't it to to not compare but to almost collaborate <laughs> rather than compare um because then you're not in competition um with that person but you're in you're empathizing with them in, in instead which is a completely yeah. different mindset, yeah. a completely different emotion energy, that you're generating different energy, different when, when you're engaging with that, with, with whatever, with us, with, with whatever you're looking at. Yep. Definitely different vibe. I mean, it's uh, you get on a different vibration with those and it, it's, it makes a huge difference. So everybody should try that. If you, if you heard what I just said, you should try that. And uh, you know, give me some feedback, like message me on Instagram, give me some feedback of your thoughts on it. Uh, yeah. Because it does make a difference. And I think a lot of people, you know, struggle with emotionally and with being on Instagram too much or TikTok too much and looking at things too much. And it, and it's the comparison thing and the, and the, your fear, like you're missing out on something or you're not as far along as you should be. And this and that one, really it's everybody's going through their thing. Everybody's yeah. struggling. And if we can all come together and help each other, lift each other up, when you see somebody talking about a topic, just think that they could possibly be dealing with that. Yeah, I love that. And I, I love to transition to the fun facts now is looking at the five pillars of brain health because I think this is a perfect opportunity. Okay. Uh, and we dive into the first one. So fa facts is a mnemonic for, for the five pillars. So 
feelings, actions, connections, thoughts, and surroundings. The first one is feelings. What what feeling or emotion is most important to you in life and why? Uh, well, I'm just as long as the emotion is a regular emotion and not a misemotion. Um, I know misemotions lead to things not working out and regular uptone emotions, things uh -huh. always work out. So I would focus on anything that's up, exhilaration, cheerfulness. Of course, you can experience some misemotions, but just not being stuck in those. Uh-huh. I love that. And and we've talked a lot about action now. Um, what's the craziest and most exciting thing that you've ever done? Wow, the most exciting thing that I've ever done. You know, I think that it would have to be, man, there's so many. I, I'm really <laughs> observant of the things that I've done and I had the opportunity to do. Um Man, I don't even know where to, uh, where to go with this. Maybe well, I, which I would have one to... popped into your head first when you started thinking about it. Are there any, a couple speaking, you can share some of them? I would say speaking in front of uh, eighteen thousand people or more um, uh -huh. on the same stage as former presidents and billionaires. Tell me about that, that one. Opportunity what what happened? That. Tell us the story. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I had opportunities. Like you know, one year I was um, in Miami at GrowthCon, Ten X GrowthCon, Grant Cardone's uh -huh. event, two thousand nineteen. And I went to that event and I said, I want to be on a stage one day. And I just put that postulate out there. I just said that that was going to be the case. And I imagined through the people that were on the stage, I imagined the feeling that they have being up there. Yeah. We talked about this already, this feelings. And I, and I just, within two years, I was up on the stage and back to back years, I was able to, and last year I spoke with, um, you know, Donald Trump opened up on the stage. He did. I then, was at growth con virtually last this year earlier on this year and yeah yeah and then there was T tillman fertita and some other folks that were on that stage and i had the opportunity to be on that stage and, wow. and be in a panel and you know when i when i did that like that's grant's stage there's there's uh other people there but when i went up on the stage this is how i approach things i'm going to own that space uh-huh like i'm going to walk up there and i'm going to own the stage i'm going to take control of my environment my stage it's going to be my stage at that moment. And I wanted that, I wanted that intentional, like that intentional thought to, to manifest itself, itself into what happened. And what it allows me to do is it allows me to be confident and, and handle the thing that I want to handle and me to, to have the environment, uh, instead of me, like, uh, adjusting to the environment, the environment adjusts to me. And so that's what I did. And when I went up there and I rewatched that, that, time when I was up there and I realized that, wow, man, like it really works. Setting an intention like that to own the stage, to own the space, to be in control really works. Uh -huh. Most people have problems with public speaking. I didn't have a, I didn't have a thought in the world, a, a negative, like emotion, no nerves or nothing. It was, there was nothing at all. It was all total control, exhilaration, exciting like that. And um, so I, I would, I would throw that in there as one. Do you know, I love that. And I'm really curious to know, how did you, because loads of people, you know, trouble, um, struggle, couldn't get the word out, <laughs> struggle with public speaking. And they have these enormous nerves. And I'm, I'm not one of those people, thankfully. But some people have enormous nerves. How do you personally, how did you prepare yourself for that? You know, you you met, you met mentioned that you you stepped into that space mentally, but did did you do any preparation physically in order to get into the mental space that you needed to get into? You know, chances are it's everything that I decide to do in my discipline that all filters in and shapes everything. Uh -huh. That's probably the chances. But what my answer I really want to tell you is 
two things. I really don't care what people think <laughs> because they, they it's a reflection of themselves and it's their problem that they got to deal with. And it's not my problem. It's that's their problem. So I understand that very clearly. And number two, I've done over 400 interviews on people's podcasts and over 300 of my own show in the last three years. So repetition, like if somebody asked me to be on stage right now and go and do the same thing and 100,000, million people, it doesn't matter how many people, one person, million, it's the same thing to yeah. me. And um, so I just go up there and I'm having a conversation. And here's the thing too, I think about, no matter how big the audience is, I think about having a conversation with someone. Like, you're having a conversation with someone and yeah. I, I really believe in this unified energy. Like we're all one together. Yeah. And I just, I just, these are the thoughts that go through my head when I'm, when I'm doing these things. So, but it probably does have to do with the def, the, the, the discipline that I put in and all of the stuff built together. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Do you know, you just gave me a flashback into an event that I went to in Japan and um, for those that, don't know Japan is very at the time as many years ago now it was very male oriented oriented in the context of the presentation that I was giving on my PhD research and I was the last speaker of the day so everyone was completely <laughs> I can't say the polite word bollocks <laughs> say because it just been done to death with scientific right. you know stuff right. and um it was about 600 people at the event and I was one of the few female um, invited speakers there and I thought what can I do to wake the audience up so I went up to the front and many of these people didn't speak English as their first language and I asked everybody um, to stand up and sit down again before I started just to re-energize the room and none of the Japanese quite understood what I was saying but I managed <laughs> to get all of these men to stand up you know which is the women are, were considered sort of the lesser person in uh -huh. the context of their culture at the at the time I went to, to Japan. And, and the fact that I was able to to do that, I then kind of took the role of an honorary bloke for yep. the rest of the trip and got invited to all the seedy bars that they went to and all sorts of stuff um, just from that, that one event that I went to. And uh, it really kind of, when you show up as you are and you acknowledge the energy in the room and how you want to influence the energy it can really shift things can't it yeah and and I, I don't believe everybody needs to take things so serious <laughs> you know like I, don't, I really don't like i don't like that I, i've always had a problem with that i like to joke around and have fun and and uh and the only reason people by the way dr ruth the only reason people take things seriously is because they feel like they can't control the situation if you know you have things under control, I got this. Everything's under control. Then we can have some fun. <laughs> when things aren't control, we got to take it serious. This is serious. And I just understand that I, everything's in my control because I'm willing to take full responsibility for things. Yeah. And if you can, if you can't take responsibility, you give up control. And so now I can, I know that I can have fun and, and, and have a good time. And if have, somebody has a problem with it, I'll be happy to apologize if somebody gets uh, offended or something or, you know, whatever the case is, but at the end of the day, it's still their problem that they have to deal with. Cause I'm going to move on with my life. <laughs> yeah. I love that. I I'd love to, um, to dive into the next pillar, which is connection. And I want to focus on 
um, connection to others is, and I'm I'm not sure if I'm going to get the answer that I think you're going to give me. But who's been your role model in your life? Wow, there's been several. Um, and why? You know, I will say right now the biggest one that I've had is is a mentor is Grant Cardone, just because of the fact uh -huh. that I was in a spot where I was felt caged in for a while. Uh -huh. I wasn't, I wasn't, um, I, I had been invalidated a lot. I allowed myself to be invalidated. I allowed myself to think that I need to stay, uh, introverted. Uh -huh. And when I read his book, I, I realized, holy cow, I'm not the crazy one. Like I thought I was the crazy one cause I had all this energy and I wanted to go out and do, do like set the world on fire in a good way <laughs> and boil the ocean, you know? And, and then I thought I was crazy because of that. And really, when I've read the book, The 10X Rule, I realized I'm not the crazy one. Everybody else is confused. And it unleashed me. So I started immersing myself in Grant's content and paying attention to what he was doing. And and um, it changed things for me, you know. And I and I, and I looked and said, okay, well, what's he, wh where did he get his his knowledge from? Where did he? And I started paying attention to where he studies and, and the church that he goes to and just paying attention to things. And I started doing some investigative work and studying myself. And it's changed everything for me. Yeah. And I'm I'm just a like literally understanding that, that I'm an unstoppable being and and I want to bring people with me. Yeah. I, I love that. And I you know, that wasn't the answer I was expecting at all. But I you know what I think often our role models change throughout our lives, don't I? And I love you know, I love Grant Cardone. He's such a powerhouse and he just doesn't take he doesn't take no for an answer. He just goes and does what he wants to do with no holes barred. Um, and I love the energy that he brings and the fact that he brings those people along with him, and, you know, including his family. I know he got his daughter up on stage, didn't he? Um, yeah, yeah. The I mean, this year. That's, that's the thing, though. Like you look at it like he's a, he's a you know, I hate to bring the bring the guy into topics every time I talk because it, but he's been in such a big influence. He's a great husband from what we see. Great father. Um, and, and I've been around him personally and I know, I know that he's a good dude and I, I'm, I'm friends with a lot of people that are really, really, really close to him. And, um, it's a great person to think to be a role model. Now he's not perfect and nobody, nobody, none of us are, but that's, a, that's the person that I've looked up to recently. And, and my, my thing is, is that I want to learn from someone and then try to go further than they'd have mm -hmm. in, in helping people, which is going to be, it, it's a very, very big task, but, um, I'm up for the challenge. I, I love that. And uh, moving on to that challenge, what for you, how would you define, I know we started with what is brain health for you, but how would you define unstoppable? Well, I mean, at the end of the day, doing what you want to do when you want to do it and nobody's going to tell you otherwise. And then being uh -huh. also willing to be able to change your mind and having understand you have permission to change your mind. If you learn something new, you get a different desire, different um, new data that comes into play. And it's, you know, you're on a track to go somewhere and you realize, wait a minute, this isn't where I should go. You don't stay there. You know, it's kind of like a, a, a woman in a relationship that's abusive. And she says, I can't, I can't leave this relationship. I committed to it. I said, I wanted to be married. And then they stay in that abusive relationship. Mm -hmm. That's, that's not okay. And same thing with your life. If you have a commitment that you've made, as long as you stay in integrity by communicating with the people that you owe an obligation to, you have the ability to change your mind. So unstoppable is just doing what you want to do when you want to do it, but staying in integrity as well. Because I believe that if you do things the wrong way, you don't communicate, you screw people over, you don't honor your commitments, mm -hmm. um, that you're not going to be unstoppable at that point. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
And what what do you think the biggest blockers are for people to to step into that unstoppable space? The biggest blockers is belief. I mean, I really think that people think that they're limited based on uh, decisions they've made when they failed in the past. Mm -hmm. So you try something that doesn't work instead of understanding that that's an opportunity to collect data to use for another try. They just make a decision that they failed at it and they're not good at it or this isn't for me. When actuality, it takes a numer- like a numerous times to, to accomplish things sometimes. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that is, is that you underestimate the amount of effort. You underestimate the, the info that it's going to take to achieve the goal. So when you have that opportunity to, to try something and you underestimate the effort, or you could overestimate effort, but most of the time it's underestimating effort it's going to take to mm-hmm. do something. Then you come back and you're like, okay, I didn't push hard enough. I need to push harder. So you go back and you push harder, but some people don't do that. They just quit. They just say, oh, it's not for me. So I think that's the, that's the key is really the decisions you make after, after something doesn't go the way you expected it to mm-hmm. uh, is what's holding people back from being unstoppable. I, I think that's such an important point is that, you know, get, going back to the conversation we had at the beginning is, is the army is against you, is often the, uh, that army that's against you is the one inside your mind. It, it's not an army outside. It's the army within that, that actually holds you back. But that army within has been programmed by the people outside of you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know. And you can unprogram it. <laughs> Listen, as a kid, if you're on the top of a building, you would you would go to the edge of the building and not be afraid as a, as a baby. Uh-huh. And you would probably fall, but you still wouldn't have that in you. We get programmed to be scared. The other thing is, have you ever gone to the top? I don't know if you're afraid of heights, but you go to the edge of somewhere, a tall building, you look over and you shudder or you feel a pain inside of you. Uh-huh. Why is that? Because we've not ne- like if we're alive, we've never fallen off a building. Uh-huh. But why do we have that feeling that's somatic that comes into us? Yeah, that physiological reaction from heights. It's because it's been programmed into us, or we've experienced it in the past, which I've said earlier, which we may have lived before. I d- I don't know for sure. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. I hope I answered your question. I forget what the question was. No, 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 no. You did, and I was talking about the army inside your mind and how yeah, yeah, how yeah, yeah. you you program. mentioned the re, you know you've had that program from your past experiences, and it's this you know I do climbing, so you know if you fall off a wall, sometimes <laughs> you know you fall and you've got a rope. Hopefully, um, then you might have the fear factor associated with the fall, and you have to reprogram yourself to get over to get over it and keep climbing. And, and it's often that in life, isn't it? It's something causes you to fall, to trip, to, to, to stumble. And rather than getting over it and, and going past the rock that you tripped over, you pick it up and you put it in your rucksack to remind yourself of the thing that you tripped over um, rather than just walking around it and, uh, and moving on. And we can, we can have a, you know, going back to your rocket fuel, it is we have a tr- trunk load of, of rocks. Yep. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, rather than rather than you know having a the light load that we really need to go on our journey and and take the lesson learned from the trips and falls that we have. Yeah, look, here's the thing too. I've noticed with myself ever since I've gotten clear in my mind and cleared a lot of the garbage out of my mind that I don't make mistakes, I don't have accidents, I don't get sick as much. A lot of these things come from being so cluttered with chaos in your mind. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I love that. Mike, I've loved talking to you because you provide so much wisdom in such a short space of time. What one piece of advice would you give to anyone who's struggling um, uh, with stepping into that unstoppable 
person that they want to be? I, I would tell them this, like we really need to get clear on the life that we want and really understand what it feel would feel like to have that and then commit to that. And then just be making consistent, disciplined actions with your words, thoughts, actions, and your environment towards that clear picture that you came up with. Yeah. And I, I think that that's the simple formula. It's, it's clarity, com, uh, commitment, and consistency. You just follow those three things. I mean, that creates an unstoppable opportunity. Such brilliant advice. And how can people get hold of you to learn more about what you do and how they can become unstoppable? Well, I'm on Clubhouse, the Clubhouse app a lot. So oh. you can come in there and find me. Follow me there or Instagram is probably the best, which it's at the bottom there scrolling across at Mikey C rock. Oh, so do make sure you check out Mike's website, join him in the clubhouse. Um, make sure you um, follow him on Instagram and learn more about what he does and how he can support you in being unstoppable. Mike, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show and sharing your story and sharing your wisdom. And if there's anything I can do to support you or your tribe and in your army of uh, experts that you, uh, that you serve and support, um, just let me know. I'd, I'd love to help. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Ruth. Appreciate it. You're most welcome. Remember everyone, this show is all about brain health. Unchaining your pain. You're not stuck with the brain you have. You have the power to make it better. And Mike's been here to show us how.